Welcome to the sixth episode of the Portrait Personas podcast. Emily, how's it going? It's going great. Super excited to talk about this recreation, one of my favorites. I'm, I'm really curious about this one because we're going to do, not to spoil everything, because I, I want you to talk about it, but it looks like we're doing another picture, perhaps, and another maybe hero. So we'll find out who did you cover? So this week we're discussing the portrait of Elizabeth Taylor, and it's a photograph that was made by Philippe Halsman in 1948. So we're back into the world of photography. Fascinating. So what drew you to this photo in particular? Did you start with the photo? Did you start with Elizabeth? Was it the photographer? At this point, it was still early, but I started thinking about ways where I could look to the future for planning purposes. And so I only had the red wig, the yellow wig, and the black wig, and then my natural hair. So I started thinking about rotating the tools I had. So I knew I wanted to use the black wig again. And another parameter I tried to use, and obviously there are several exceptions throughout this last year, but I try to find portraits or photos of people with blue eyes. So that to me is just a point of connection that really sticks out in the recreation. Since we're very lucky to have our family baby blues. So I looked up people with black hair and blue eyes and Elizabeth Taylor is well known as one of the most beautiful blue-eyed women to have existed in the last hundred years or so. I had done photography before. I try to stick mostly to painting, but at this point I thought, you know, I really enjoyed doing the Lucy photo. Why not go back to the world of photography? I honestly can't remember how I found this or how I thought of her. I think I was just mentally trying to think of blue-eyed women with dark hair. And eventually through Googling or my own brain, I thought of her. And once I decided Elizabeth Taylor, I tried to find a portrait that I would be able to recreate fairly easily. And that's eventually how I landed on this one by Philippe Halsman. So this is the same wig as the Madame. It is. So that was the biggest, the biggest challenge for this is that it's actually a very long straight black wig. So in the photo, she has short hair. So I needed to kind of turn the long black wig somehow to appear to look like it was short wig and also have that kind of 40s volume, curly kind of glam style. And it was almost like sculpting in a way. I had to carefully secure the wig with a series of curls and fluffs to make it look. And I was pretty happy with it. It took a while to give the appearance that it was just short hair. So I did that by rolling it up in these kind of large curls that I could kind of fluff out across the face and give that volume. I kind of sculpted the wig to get it to appear short. And that was my biggest challenge for this, for sure. Do you sculpt the wig while it's on your head or do you like put it on something that's kind of like, do you have a melon? Do you have a wig melon? I, you know, at this point I probably should have invested in um, a wig stand or like one of those foam heads or something, but no, I, I did it while it was on my head. And I, that's still how I generally do that there with some exceptions. I typically will put the wig on and style it while I'm wearing it because everyone has a different cranium circumference, etc. So it affects the styling when you're not wearing it. So I remember this part in the front where in her hair it would, be, would have been bangs, but I needed to pin it in a way so that it could still fall across my face to look like bangs. I remember I, I got it where I wanted it and then 
I had to so carefully like take it off my head. And because I'd used tons of bobby pins, there are places where I, I thought I was being careful, but the bobby pins had gone under the wig and to my own hair. And then that was like preventing me from pulling it off smoothly. So I had to like be firm, but very, very careful pulling this off in a way to not disturb all of the styling I had just done probably over the last hour. So luckily it worked and I very gingerly placed it off to the side for the next day. Other than the wig, it looks like maybe the next challenge was uh, picking the, the jewelry. Were you just trying to evoke diamonds in that case? The wardrobe was super easy and you know, awkward as this is to say, I'm just wearing a bra. Sorry, brother. <laughs> if you see the full version of her image, she's wearing this kind of ivory champagne, like a silk satin fancy dress. Obviously, I don't have a dress like that around, but the bra straps had that similar sheen and color. And we know I love costume jewelry. So I had a fake sparkly necklace and those earrings. Now, interestingly, the necklace she is wearing was not her own. It was Philippe Halsman's wife's necklace and she came with the earrings and he thought she needed something else to give the portrait that one final touch. So he had her wear his wife's necklace and now her, the necklace in the picture is actually light blue and triangle and obviously mine is clear and a rectangle, but I thought close enough that like statement jewelry piece to really catch the eye. So I was happy to have something similar enough to evoke the the punch of sparkle. Well, I think that right now the key of it was the hair. So everything else I think you can do evoking if you nail the hair. Yeah. The hair was the main element I wanted to get right. And then this was also the first time I made my eyebrows black. So the way I did that was just by using mascara. I didn't have an eyebrow pencil that was black or anything. I just had to carefully put black mascara on, on my eyebrow. And that seemed like the simplest way to make them black. And it's funny in the B-roll, I have a picture of me with the black eyebrows and my natural hair. <laughs> it just looks so much more jarring against my natural hair. With the wig, the eyebrows matched the hair, so it, it looked pretty good. But then when I had done that before putting the wig on, it just looked, it looked crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Simple wardrobe. I had the jewelry I needed, the wig I sculpted, and then the only other thing I got hung up on was the shade of red for the lips. And this is something I've been probably spending more time on than I should in several recreations I've done since then, because there are actually so many shades of red lipstick. Some of them are more maroon or wine colored. Others are that vivid, bright, bright cherry red. And this was kind of somewhere in between. So I <laughs> got this lip color by layering a series of chapsticks and lipsticks to get the, the red I was looking for. So I had my false eyelashes and I noticed that her makeup was very minimal apart from the black, black eyebrows look like they were penciled on pretty heavily. This one was fairly easy to take, although I was still doing the long arm selfie at this point. And again, lucked out with the natural light perfectly. And this was great because she's just looking right at the camera. So I didn't have a weird body position or figuring out where to look has been a challenge constantly the last year, but this was easy. I just looked straight at the camera head tilt, feeling dreamy. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, no, that's a really good recreation of the portrait. That's, that's a lot of fun. So I have to be completely honest for the history part of this talk. I don't know anything about this photographer. I know the name Elizabeth Taylor, 
I'm probably more aware of her than I think I am. What are the history stuff you wanted to touch on for this project? So Philippe Halsman, he was one of the most notable portrait photographers of the 20th century, and he was Latvian. So he was originally from Latvia, but he kind of achieved his first wave of fame while working in Paris in the 30s. And he was kind of known as one of the best portrait photographers there at the time. But then World War II was happening and that obviously put his career on pause. In 1940, his wife, daughter, sister, and brother-in-law were able to immigrate to America because they had French passports. But as a Latvian citizen, he wasn't able to obtain a visa. So they went ahead and occupation in Paris at the time was horrible. So he just had to bide his time. But interestingly enough, the person who helped expedite his immigration process was none other than Albert Einstein. What? I know. So Einstein helped him come to the U.S. And he knew Einstein through his sister, and he actually took Einstein's portrait later. It's actually a really beautifully sad portrait. Halsman was very interested in the psychology of portraiture, so he always tried to capture some element of the person's life that might not originally be seen or be known. So he took the portrait of Einstein when they were talking about his role in the atom bomb and his regrets and his fears about the future of that technology. And so you can see in the portrait that he just looks very weary and sad and regretful. So Halsman is known not only for taking amazing photographs of starlets, famous people, but trying to capture them in a way that reveals something about their inner self. Thanks to Einstein's intervention, Halsman arrived in the U.S. in New York in November of 1940. And his big break came when he met a model named Connie Ford. He took some photos of her and that kind of built his portfolio and then also built her portfolio. So it was a quid pro quo. But then someone from Elizabeth Arden, which was a beauty company, one of the most well-known like makeup and beauty product companies, especially in the 40s, they saw one of his photographs of her and they used it for an ad for their Victory Red Lipstick. So that ad for Elizabeth Arden then allowed him to get work with Life magazine. He worked for several magazines over his career. He would do ads, he would do portraits. His photos were used as part of author bios and book jackets for movie posters. But Life was something he's most well known for. He did 101 covers for Life magazine from 1942 until the magazine ceased weekly publication in 1972. He said when they stopped publication, he said, I felt as if I lost a good friend. So that was a really important part of his career. And that's what he's most well known for, his pictures in Life magazine. He's over here gaining success with portraits and like I said, he wanted to reveal something about his subject, and this is a quote of his that I love. This fascination with the human face has never left me. Every face I see seems to hide, and sometimes fleetingly, to reveal the mystery of another human being. Capturing this revelation became the goal and passion of my life. He also took a very well-known picture of Marilyn Monroe for Life magazine. 
and he recalled that she looked as if she had been pushed into the corner with no way to escape. And if we look back on her history, we know that was very true. So he wanted to reveal his subjects, not just take their picture to take the psychology behind the picture. And so that brings us to 1942, when he shot this portrait of Elizabeth Taylor. She was born in England, so British-American actress. And she actually made her screen debut at the age of 10. Her breakout came when she was 12 in the movie National Velvet. So from 12 years old, she was a huge star. I would like you to guess how old you think she is in this portrait. Oh, in the picture that we're looking at? Yes. Oh, no. This is this is going to be... All right. She's either way too young. No, I'm going to go with way too young. She's 17. Very close. She's 16. There we go. She's only 16 here. And I hadn't realized that until I did a little research on this portrait. So she's 16. This is 1948. She came to his studio in New York. So this was taken in New York. She arrived, like I said, with that dress, with that jewelry, minus the necklace. And he said about her, in my studio, Elizabeth was quiet and shy. She struck me as an average teenager, except that she was incredibly beautiful. And she recalled on looking back, on a purely technical level, he pointed out that two sides of my face photographed differently. One side looked younger, the other more mature. Imposing for Halsman, I became instantly aware of my body. And she kind of looked back on this experience as a turning point in growing up. So I think she definitely looks more mature than 16. And she's more aware of like the angles and how to look older. And she recalled kind of at this point wanting to be older and having learned a little about her face and how she looked in this portrait session, she kind of leveraged that to seem older from then on. And that kind of pushed her to that image she crafted of being the Elizabeth Taylor stunning starlet. I started looking at his website. He has a great photo of Lucille Ball as well. I believe it. I think he took pictures of so many people, probably a lot of photos that we've seen before, but just didn't realize were by him. Movie posters, book jackets, ads, all sorts of things. So he's kind of like the big hit of this whole project. That's fantastic. Does he show up again in your, in the portrait personas? Have you done another? Not yet. He's in my back pocket because I don't think I would be able to do this, but something I'm really interested in buying now, something he would do in all of his sessions were to, or most, if people agreed, were to ask them to jump and he would take a photo of them jumping. And so he has this whole book called The Jump Book of People Jumping. And he, like I said, he was very interested in psychology. He felt people let their guard down when they jumped and it revealed their more of their inner personality or their inner child. And so his picture of Marilyn jumping, like she looks like super vivacious, but then her hands are clenched very tightly. So he has his jump book. And I just think that's so interesting. And I hadn't thought about jumping in the air as a passport to your inner self, but he had so many ideas about the power of photography and what it could reveal about people. So I'm not sure if there's a jump photo of Liz Taylor from this session, but I'd be curious. And I'd be curious if he got a jump photo of, of Lucille Ball, because something he mentioned that was very interesting what gave him this idea originally was when he was doing a series of photos for 
one TV studio, I can't remember which, of comedians. And when they jumped, they jumped in character. So he thought that was interesting that they like remained in character while jumping. So I wonder if, if Lucille Ball would be Lucy or she would be herself while jumping. I love that, that this time it was the photographer that really became the story behind this post. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, I learned so much revisiting this. I, I knew his name. I knew some of his photos, but I didn't know anything about his interest in the psychology of portraiture. And that really interested me. Fascinating. So are you ready to get stumped? Yeah. All right. This one's really unfair. (laughs) (laughs) Bring it. Elizabeth Taylor was in the 1994 Flintstones movie. What was the name of her character? Oh, man. Okay. Because I actually love that movie. And I've seen it so many times. And when I, this is hilarious because I actually thought I would watch that this weekend and I wish I had watched it yesterday. (laughs) I'm just killing time. Also this movie for people who haven't seen it, John Goodman, Rick Moranis, Rosie O'Donnell, Kyle MacLachlan, Halle Berry. It's exquisite. It's just, I recommend it so much. (laughs) Okay. I know when you tell me I'm going to be so mad. I couldn't remember. Wilma's mother, Velma? No. No, that's that's Scooby-Doo. I I don't know. Her name is Pearl Slaghoople. Yes, yeah, Slaghoople. Yep. <laughs> Incredible. Wait, and Jonathan Winters? Yeah. Is in that movie is man, what a crazy movie. Everyone is in this movie. Now I definitely need to watch it later. But yeah, Elizabeth Taylor, she is an icon. Her blue eyes are famous. She's been in so many films throughout history. She only passed away 10 years ago on March 23rd, 2011. She has a whole history of amazing films under her belt. You could go back to the beginning with National Velvet or please do check out The Flintstones and Philippe Halsman. There are several books of his work. I am curious to check out The Jump Book myself, but there are other photo books of his work and probably filled with things we don't realize we already knew. I really love where this story went. Thank you for being on the show again. (laughs) My pleasure. Do we have a teaser for next week? So next week, we go back to painting. But the fun part of this one is I had to unearth my violin. And the first time I had touched my violin in... 15 years. So there we go. Digging up childhood memories next (laughs) week on the Portrait Personas podcast. Thank you so much.